Welcome to the Evolving Enterprises podcast. We have stories of growth and transformation. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Isabel Gennaro from Copenhagen, who is a global impact strategist. Welcome, Isabel. Hi, Martin. Thank Hi. you. <laughs> Good to um, have you join the podcast. Thanks for coming along. It would be really great to hear a bit more about your work in systems change, particularly how you got interested in the beginning in systems change. It's not something that you, you get taught at school, is it? How, how did you find your way into the, the world of systems change? Yes. First of everything, thank you for the invitation. It's going to be great to share. And <laughs> There is so much to share. So I will answer this question from two different perspectives, personal perspective and then a collective perspective. So since I was a kid, I always felt that there was something wrong. I am Brazilian, born and raised in a developing country. I studied in Sweden in 2020 and I guess that this bridge this intersection between the global south and the global north can make you question a lot I noticed very early in life that people either change by experiencing something in their own skin or to have empathy and really trying to understand how it is to be in other shoes. So someone from Scandinavia, I would say it would be pretty difficult to understand what someone in a favela in Rio de Janeiro goes through, but just to illustrate that your experiences, your story can give you power and can give you different perspectives. So if you don't have this experience of living in a favela, you need to learn to listen. That's a very important skill. And from a collective perspective, what got me interested in systems change was mainly the realization that many people are ready for a new system, but we are not there yet. So we are in this transition between an old system based on fear and control and we are dreaming about a new different system. So you see, in order to create this new system, we need to build bridges. And that is what I call disruptive models. Through them, we can start implementing new mechanisms, new structures, methodologies, spaces. But for me, most importantly, is new ways of relating to each other and to the planet. Absolutely. 
and you've covered a lot there. So it's it's interesting that your experience was about that global north global south divide. What was the what was the real difference? Can you illustrate that with an example of something that would need to change? The main difference I see is that people in developing countries they know how this old system works. They need to work in order to survive in this system. Rich people in Brazil, for example, uh, that have a lot of privileges, I would say 99% of them live in what I call a pink bubble. <laughs> so it takes a lot to really come out of this bubble, to really open your eyes and understand. So, for example, I met two people here in Copenhagen were talking about like how the north of Europe, especially Scandinavia, is so sustainable. And I agree with that. I love here. I love this more horizontal system, which is inclusive and serves the people. And then they said developing countries, they should look at us as a reference and they should try to do as us and everything. And like that statement was for me looking through this pink bubble because you need to understand that the global north is only able to have so many privileges because of the story of colonization. So you need to have this uh, more integrative way to look at things because everything is connected. And that's why I also think it's very important to listen to indigenous teachings and indigenous wisdom. I hope I have answered your question. Yeah, very much. You talked about learning to listen. Early on in my career, I remember one of my mentors saying, we're going to discuss a problem. You can do anything except propose a solution. And it was so hard for that group to sit back and just say, why does it look that way? But actually, in the process of that exploration that we took, we came up with way, way more interesting views of this. We didn't come up with any solutions then because we weren't supposed to. And what would normally have happened was we would have had a quick meeting, people would have discussed their problem, everybody would have thrown in solutions, we'd have picked the best and moved on. But actually, you don't really get to understand it. You come along with all your baggage, you come along with all your views of, of how things are. And I like your phrase, the pink bubble. I think that we're all disconnected in some way from what goes on. I think the key thing is to recognise that we're all biased and we're all, we all live in a different place from other people. And actually then, then the art is to figure out, okay, so how do I put myself in the shoes of that person? So that leads us quite nicely then to, to people skills, because in um, achieving any form of change, in moving anyone from one position to another, there's a lot of people skills involved. And um, you mentioned listening as one of them. What else have you had to work on during your career to, to really become great at moving people on that journey? Yeah, so I've traveled quite a lot and I have realized that all people are the same. They all want to love and they all want to be loved. But 
that's not what's happening even though we all want to be loved for some reason it's difficult for people to be honest with each other to share honestly transparently and people have organized our system in such a way that everyone wants to make a profit and a lot of profit as much as possible and it's it's like it's like a disease where everyone has to pay a little more every day to those who control the economy and governments don't recognize your capacities your leadership your kindness uh, so we have reached a point where we need to make new decisions and i think that's another key to create systems change in, in terms of individual skills it's being able to make decisions that come from this space of right relationships and in alignment with what is good for the collective and for nature not just thinking about yourself but really connecting with your heart i would say and and ask ask yourself how do i want to live my life do i want to live with the fear that is projected onto me by all the leaders around the world or am i going to do what my heart feels is the right thing to do and then you realize that you can really be friends with anyone with everyone because a smile is like a ripple when you see someone smile you feel uplifted it's it's like a service and that's how our system should be service oriented this is like another skill that for me it's like the key where you serve others um with the right information and then people can really become what they should be in a way so I would say decision-making is key. Also being in alignment with your values, your purpose, and always trying to, to act into serving life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You've just described some really fascinating things there. So if you go back to the origins of corporate decision-making as per Stafford Beer, Beer talked about the, the importance of making the right decisions in the right way and the importance of getting the right information. And you're, you're so right that our culture of fear and our shift in values can distort us from what really matters because if you can get the the right information at the right time you can make the right decisions but actually by being shifted in just focusing on maybe the financial side rather than the health of your staff the well-being of your staff makes quite a difference because how, however much you're you're purely interested in the financial bottom line if you have a really motivated engaged workforce they will do amazing things for you. If you have a workforce who feel 
frankly, a bit scared, they're not going to do great things. And I, I've worked with workforces who are in both categories. In fact, I had one particular leader I worked with many years ago, and she inspired the fear of God in people. And every time that she arrived, you could almost watch the productivity drop as people guarded themselves and produced plans and all sorts of stuff that nobody needed. That The more we can move away from that fear, the more we can move to what really drives us forward. And from judgment too, right? I think, I think judgments of like ourselves and other people they can blind us in a very bad way i would say absolutely they can we accept in our society that that's just the way things are if you go into the financial services industry it's known for being a pretty rough and tumble place you you, you don't get very far by um, talking about the kind of uh, milk of human kindness you, you get somewhere by making a lot of money through other people and the way how, how you you treat them is kind of up to you to an extent so I mean, i'm not saying that people are mistreated but they're certainly not treated you know particularly kindly in in uh, organizations that's main aim is to make a lot of money so yeah you're right there's that fear kind of instilled in people by the fear of the people around them it's really interesting to see that so what's your way of being able to move people from that position there is this huge gap between knowing and doing right because there is separation we are completely disconnected so ecologically from nature from others socially and also there is the disconnection from ourselves in an individual level and when we acknowledge these three levels of perception then we can really start systemic transformation and the first step is to go to what you can sense and feel. And that's the key of all transformation, I would say. I have a, a shaman mentor in Brazil, an indigenous mentor, and she calls that the feeling world. And from this inner space, there's there's a profound shift in in consciousness and people are starting to to organize around that most leaders agree that we are on the wrong path and they want to be part of a new story but many many leaders many people don't know how so the methods and tools we we have don't fit anymore and leaders most of them don't have the, the knowledge or the familiarity with learning ecosystems. So I would say it's about providing spaces, providing methods, providing tools that really allow people to connect with better feelings in order to create, redesign, reimagine a better future as an individual and also as a collective. Absolutely, I think you're right. Just to, to, to go back to, as you say, what, what can you sense and what can you feel? What, what's really going on? Because it is 
quite possible to lose track of that when we when we are bombarded by information sources. It's more difficult to know what's really going on. In the past, our ancestors had much closer contact with people. The other people generally gave them their information, except for that they they read. And at one time, it was only the wealthiest in society who could could get their news by reading it. So change will only happen if it's supported by new learning infrastructures that are not only scalable but region-based and I do believe if they are used for personal transformation as a gateway for systems transformation. Thank you so much, Isabel. Thank you for joining me. Really looking forward to hearing more about the inspirational journey that you've taken on delivering disruptive models in our next podcast.